Hi, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of our podcast, A Few Good Men, where we are going to be each week reviewing another episode, another uh, movie from the works of John Goodman. Uh, I'm Mark McHugh, and joining me, we've got Dana Doucette, philosopher. Uh, how are you doing, Dana? I'm doing uh, doing pretty decent. Uh, just had some uh, Shanghai noodles. All right, so we should probably start off by talking, because this is the first episode why John Goodman? Of all of the actors in the world, why have we chosen John Goodman? <laughs> um, well, this idea goes back um, years now. And uh, to, be, to be fair, I, I'm not 100% certain I remember the original motivation. Do you, Mark? Well, I can say he's my favorite actor in Hollywood. It's because he's one of those people that's kind of in everything. But I've never, like... He makes everything that he's in just a little bit better by him being there. Also, we used to have this thing where no matter the size of the part he played in the movie, um, we would refer to it as a John Goodman movie. Exactly. And we're going to be doing that here a whole bunch. <laughs> like, you know, that, uh, that John Goodman movie about spies in the 80s, um, Atomic Blonde. Ex oh, exactly. Exactly. Or that John Goodman movie uh, where he plays a Cyclops and nothing else happens in that movie. <laughs> yeah, a Cyclops Bible salesman. Okay, so today the movie where we've chosen, to, the, the first episode we've chosen to talk about, we're talking about the Flintstones. Now, we both watched this movie last night. Dana, what are your, uh, what are your initial impressions of this movie? Well, I, I think it could be summed up in a question that you asked me, which is, um, who is this movie for? This, who is this movie for? Because when you hear Flintstone movie, you're like, oh, this is a great movie for kids. And then when you watch this movie, you're like, this movie, what, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> This is yeah, like Halle Berry tries to bang him on a desk. <laughs> this is like, yeah, Halle Berry's like shaking her tits all over him. You've got like it's basically the Wolf of Wall Street, but with Flintstone characters somehow. I don't understand what the point of this movie was. No, this movie is darker than the Wolf of Wall Street. This movie is the. <laughs> there has never been an episode of. <laughs> There's never been an episode of the Flintstones where Barney and Fred get lynched by a mob. I'm just going to yeah, put that up there. There's never been a movie where they almost get hung. So they're like, well, let's break that out for the movie. Why not? Kids will love that. And they use the correct terminology because lynching means that they are pulled up from the ground as opposed to dropped. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like, of course, you know that. So, so they die from strangulation as opposed to a broken neck. I I don't understand what this movie... <laughs> what, what were they thinking when they made this movie? Okay, so I guess the first thing we have to address, this movie... Oh. Okay, what? It, it came out the year after Jurassic Park. Yeah, and the and CGI it, is way worse. And it's produced by Steven Spielrock. Steven Spielrock. <laughs> is that actually the name that he put in the credits? Because that would be actually, I would respect him more for that. That's but, in the opening credits. But 
the yeah okay the frustrating thing about that is you see the dinosaurs in this movie and you're like the, this is the cheapest 90s cgi i've ever seen when they had perfected cgi specifically cgi on dinosaurs <laughs> the year before this movie came out so what the fuck is the point of this movie and and no one ever had a noose around their neck in the adult Jurassic Park. No, no, because like, you know what? Kids probably aren't a big fan of that. And then they're like, well, let's test that out. I think kids will love it personally. <laughs> okay, the first thing I do have to say about this movie is like, despite all of the shit we are going to talk about this movie, this movie is perfectly cast. We've got like, Oh, we have uh, like John Goodman as Fred. That's perfect. And actually, I yeah. I listened to an interview with him recently where he was talking about how he got cast because he didn't want to do this movie, but he was working with Steven Spielberg on another movie. And like during a table read, Steven Spielberg came into the room and just said, "Ladies and gentlemen, I want to announce that we found our Fred Flintstone." And in that moment, you can't be like, I'm not doing your movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, it's it's the guy who made dinosaurs come into the theater. Um, who better than, than that? I, I don't think he directed this movie, but he was definitely like, he's the money behind this movie for sure. And hey, then we have Rick hey. Moranis' Barney Rubble is another just excellent casting choice. Yes. Definitely. Um, he, he disappears. There, uh, when I was watching the movie, because I, 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 I haven't seen it since the year it came out or, or around then. Um, so I forgot he was in it. And it actually, there was a moment or two where I was like, is that, is that him? Because he, he actually basically becomes Barney. You like Rick Moranis is one of the actors in this movie that feel like he's really, really into it. And he's great in this movie. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell playing Betty, incredible. Uh, she's okay. I really like. Well, consider like what she had to work with. How well she brought that character to live action. <laughs> that is basically yep. the same character. I think Rosie O'Donnell nails it in this movie. You know, she won a Razzie for her performance. She won a Razzie for this movie. Yeah. I mean. Okay, but to be fair, that's not because she was bad. It was because it was a <laughs> movie. Hey, but um, the uh, the the person who plays uh, what's her name, uh, a good old Fred's wife, Wilma. Uh, Wilma, yeah. Uh, what was who played her again? Oh my God, this is a famous actress, and her name is on the tip of my tongue. Because I thought she did very well. It's not Enton. Okay, I can't. I'm not going to guess her name and fuck it up. <laughs> I'm not going to just remember, throw out a name and be like, "That's who it is." Do you remember um, old old episodes of Smodcast when um, when it would be much slower and they bring up stuff and they'd go like, "We're sitting right in front of computers," but nah, not going to look that up. Yeah, it's like we should we should know. <laughs> we'll just make it up. It's just like you know what? <laughs> oh. It was Valid Valerie Bertinelli. Why not? That's who it was. Oh, and an unexpected Elizabeth Taylor. 
Okay, Elizabeth Taylor playing the stepmom. It was like she did a fine job with that. But do you remember that car- character in the cartoon? Uh, <laughs> the mother-in-law? Uh, uh, pro- I mean, it was basically uh, the Honeymooners. So they probably had at least one episode with like a, a, a you know, a cliche mother-in-law. I mean, probably, but I don't remember this character. Like, not enough so that I can be like, yeah, she's really bringing that character to life. I'm just like, why is she being so obnoxious in this movie? Didn't they bring the alien character? Yeah, Alan Cumming plays the alien character in Viva Las Vegas. Oh, my God. But uh, the guy that plays uh, the alien character regularly played a part in this movie. He plays the Dictabird. <laughs> who is basically the great Gabu again, just as a just as a bird. Yeah. And also like just a you know a disgruntled employee. I think the weirdest thing about this okay, the weirdest thing about this is Again, movie is perfectly cast, but the plot to me of this movie made absolutely no sense. Now, if we're going through the plot, like, okay, first of all, Kyle MacLachlan is really good in this movie to a point where it kind of feels like the guy is going for an Oscar. Like, he's really trying to, like, slam a home dunk in this movie playing the villain character. But the character makes no sense because... you, if you haven't, if you're listening right now and you haven't seen this movie in about like 20 years, go back and watch it again. It's wild. It makes zero sense because what happens is the bad guy comes up with this idea that more or less like he comes up with an idea to kind of, uh, kind of to kind of upgrade the quarry to make it easier, make sure it requires less workers, uh, adds more machinery. Uh, it's uh, it's automation. They automate it. It's and really a movie ahead of its time. It's really an interesting idea. So like, okay, this is how we're going to be making houses at the quarry now. It's going to, you know, quadruple our sales. And it's like, okay, this is the angle they go for. And then it turns out that he's like trying to embezzle money. And it's like, well, why are you doing this? You have an idea that's going to make you a rich man. Why do you have to do the illegal thing on top of that? It makes no sense, and it makes me so mad. Because but he, he says that the machinery is all going to explode anyway. Like, if you're a kid watching this, like, as an adult watching this movie, it makes me mad. And you should be like, well, but this isn't a movie for you. This is a movie for kids. But there's no way a kid watching this movie will go like, oh, he's embezzling money. I totally know what that means. Oh, he's automating. That's weird. Ooh, the workers are going to get really screwed over. Ooh, I hope that the contracts are, like, strong. No kid is watching this movie and understands, and no adult is watching this movie and being like, this is a really good movie. So who is this movie for? Also, just a side note, uh, did you notice how they made the joke um, that would be later in uh, Zoolander? No, it was the joke. Where... um, so th- there's like a dem- like a um, a whole like demonstration being done with like little like tiny figures about how the whole production line is going to be, and Fred is all like, you know, you're never going to get people to live in houses this small. Oh yeah, the like, what is this? A uh, school for ants? 
Yeah. It's that. <laughs> it is the same joke, and I would be really mad if I found out they were the same producers. <laughs> they're just like, hey, when they're making Zoolander, they're like, hey, remember that thing we did in the Flintstones? Yeah, that really didn't land. Let's do that again. Yeah, let's give that joke a second chance. And you know what? If, actually, if that was their intention, they, they succeeded. That is that is one of the most quoted lines from the Zoolander movie. What is this, a school for ants? But um, I'd be hard-pressed to figure out which is the most uh, quoted movie, co- quoted line from the 1994 Flintstones live-action adaptation. I don't think there is any, because there's not, again, like most of the lines are either stupid or they're like rock puns or <laughs> what what makes me bad is like you'll see random like you, you there's a lot of product placement in this and so yep. like they'll do a shot and there'll be a shot of the rock donalds and the big joke there was it was like over two dozen sold and you see them taking down the two and they're adding a three dozen sold and we as the audience are going to be like oh ha 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 very clever, like the thing that is happening now. But this movie is set 15 million years before the formation of the Grand Canyon. Are they saying that like uh, in, in that many years, it's how long it took for it to get up to the 99 million? Uh, possibly. I don't know if this movie is saying much. I think McDonald's were like, we need to put you, we need you to put us in this movie. And they're like, <laughs> uh, all right, rock Donald's, I guess. Because there's that one line, that kind of throwaway joke at the very beginning where it's like, um, if you look out your your left window, you'll see the Grand Canyon in 15 million years. Which means that they knew that there was going to be a Grand Canyon and they did nothing to prevent it. (laughs) Who's going to stop that from happening? So really, the only thing this movie does is it really, really highlights the nightmarish hellscape that really is the Flintstones that you really didn't have a chance to think about when you were a kid and watching it for 20 minutes at a time. Because like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, it makes sense. Uh, the, the elephant is the shower, I guess. But like when it's a movie, you're like, wait, how does this work? They have a pig under living underneath the sink that eats garbage. And that is the its whole existence. And in the middle of the movie, they just unceremoniously pull this pig from under the sink and they cast it out into the streets. No, no, I actually, I had a note about that, which is, do you think they ate that pig? <laughs> no, because the pig later squealed on Fred, remember? Like, oh, in that's, the scene? That's okay. The I didn't realize. I, I think it's the supposed to be the same pig. Also, I that, think... pig, that pig could speak English. Like most of the animals can. Like remember in the cartoon, they'd be like, yeah, but, but that would be like, ah, it's a living or whatever it is. But the way that that one spoke, it was like, it was in pain. It was like it was its very first words. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> because its whole life it is nothing <laughs> but garbage. And also, Fred just like shoves his fist right <laughs> down into its stomach and pulls out a fork. And pulls out a fork. And we see a look of pain on that pig's face. 
these animals all feel a tremendous amount of pain and do not want to be in this situation they're in. Also, in the cartoon, it's all like, it's a living. And in this one, the one time that they have one of the dinosaurs or creatures do that, it, the, you remember what the dinosaur says? This don't. sucks. Oh, yeah. It wasn't even, like, clever. It was just like, <laughs> oh, we, we had that in the cartoon, so we have to have it here. Quick, somebody write a line for a dinosaur to say. They're like, uh, why are you giving me the responsibility to write this stupid line? This job sucks. Oh, good. Good enough. Oh, so, so Mark. Yes. I took notes during, during the whole thing. And my very first note is, is slavery a thing in Bedrock? I mean, animal slavery clearly is. Because we hear one of like, the foremen, and he says, quit slacking off, you had a break two days ago. I also noticed that. Yet, yet Fred has regular in and out hours, which means that there's some people who are working multiple days straight. And there's also clearly some people that are like homo sapiens and clearly some people who are Neanderthals working in this, uh, in this quarry. So also it's like, a couple oh, of like chimpanzees. Couple ch- which again, we know that animal slavery is clearly yeah. a thing here, but where do they draw the line? Also, one of those chimpanzees raised their hand to ask a question, but we never got to hear how it would have communicated if, if we hadn't had that brilliant save your questions till the end line. Once again, Steven Spielberg has robbed us <laughs> of, of crucial information. So the basic plot of this movie, we're 18 minutes in. The basic plot of this movie is Fred gets promoted uh, to be kind of a patsy by this, this like rich executive who wants to embezzle the company's money. And the plan that this guy has is he's going to make Fred sign all of these papers and then is going to, and then is going to steal all the money for himself and make it look like Fred embezzled this money. That's the plot of this movie. And so of course, like through this Barney, like Barney loses his job and he has to work as like a bus boy. Whereas Fred is just making tons and tons of money. Let's look at this plan for a second though. Because the way that they chose the person was by doing like an aptitude test. And, And they selected the person who got the highest, but they selected him because they assumed he was, that he cheated. Um, but what if it had, what would they have done if Barney, who, who, he has this whole thing where, because, you know, because it's a children's show, uh, there's a whole plot about the difficulty of, of having your own child and the financial burden of raising a child and the uh, necessity of financial stability in the adoption industry. Like the kids want to hear about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I was adopted when I was a child. I was like, this must have been I mean, what it's... I'm glad that happened when you were a child. It would have sucked <laughs> if it happened last week. <laughs> but yeah, so so Barney and... Yeah, they, they, need, they needed enough money uh, to prove that they, had, that they were stable to adopt a child. So, so Fred gives him all this money. We never, we never find out how much exactly, but we know that it was enough that 
they weren't able to buy a new pig uh, food processor, uh, whatever. Um, so, so Fred is he, he gets his money and Barney is like, I, he tells this wonderful poem about how he's going to do whatever it takes to pay him back. So he takes one look at Fred's test and he's like, this guy's a moron. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to switch our tests so that he gets a better mark. But what would have happened if they hadn't switched the test? Would they have gone for the person with the lowest or would have Barney have become the patsy? Uh, Barney would have become the patsy. And the flaw in the plan here is that means that they would have promoted somebody. Like the real danger of this whole testing thing is that by doing the aptitude test, by taking the highest score, you're in real danger of hiring somebody who has like some actual competence Exactly. going to expose your whole plan and be like, I'm not falling for it. Precisely. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel that Barney ruined everything for everybody. He really did. Barney is the true villain of this movie, let's be <laughs> honest. However, I would like to point out that I really like the chemistry between this Barney and Fred. Yeah, uh, like because those are both like... They're both very solid actors. and But that said, I kind of felt that there were a few scenes, like there are a few scenes where John Goodman really was putting his all into this movie. And then there were a few scenes where it's like, he's tired. Um, it was also more romantic than the, uh, the cartoon portrayal. Well, like, I mean, they had to pat it for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, between Barney and, and, and Fred. Uh, and how, in what way, other than like, other than like in the show, it seemed more like Barney was kind of the annoying next door neighbor. And they were just kind of like casual friends. Yeah. No, no, no. They had a real love for each other in this one. There's that, uh, that scene where they're both in the car and they're all wrestling and such. Yeah. <laughs> also. Oh, yeah. Totally uh, shipped that. <laughs> I can't believe that we're this far into it and we haven't mentioned the B-52s wrote the soundtrack for this movie. <laughs> and also appear in the movie. And appear in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the because... B-52... Of all of the... Like, at the time, there were Hollywood producers that were like, who do we get to write the Flintstones music? And somebody's like, the Love Shack guys, I guess. Like, how far down the list do you think the B-52s were? Do you think that it was like, well, Michael Jackson's not going to do it. Uh, we've got... And then, like, yeah. they had, like, ten more options, and then the B-52s were somewhere in the middle of the list. And just, like, everyone that they went to were like, no. No, we're not doing the Flintstone movie. Why is that a movie? And, um... Do you ever see Repo Man? Uh, I saw Repo. I don't think I saw Repo Man. The uh, like the Emilio Estevez uh, picture. No. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's a really weird movie. Um, but uh, they have this, the 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 punk band, the Circle Jerks, play like a jazz trio, and it kind of the, the randomness of it kind of reminded me of the, of that. Also, That's do you think I? 
how, how many how many projects do you think that Kyle McLaughlin has been in that features a live band unexplained? Um, I can't think of any other off the top. Was that a big thing? In tw- I'll be honest, I've never seen Twin Peaks. <laughs> well, there, um, like bits of the soundtrack would be played by this by the person who wrote it at the at the, the music venue they would go to. That's very bizarre. Uh, oh no, yeah, it's David Lynch. Um, the whole thing's very bizarre. It's weird that this guy was like, I'm the guy who's known for David Lynch projects. Now no, I'm going you know, to do... You know, you know what is weirder? There is, a, there is a population, I don't know how big or small, but there is, a, there is a population who knows him primarily from How I Met Your Mother. Um, that's... I mean, I've de- I would definitely know him more from that and the Flintstones than I've known him from Twin Peaks. Or how about like Blue Velvet? You know what? I saw it once. Um, Dune? I don't think I ever saw You know what? I'm the person you're describing, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's a... Uh, he's, he was... I, I, I've seen him in now two things that aren't David Lynch films. And clearly he's really trying to win an Oscar in this movie because you know what? He's really good in this movie and it's such a waste. It's such a <laughs> waste of a performance. Like he really could have come into work drunk and been like, what am I supposed to say? Oh, you're never, I already have gotten away with it. Mr. Flintstone. Is that all right? Fine. I'm going for lunch. But like, it was like, you're never going to get away with this. Oh, but I already have. Like he's that <laughs> level. Like he puts that much blood, sweat, and tears into this performance. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how much this guy clearly cared. Of, like how much of a professional this guy clearly is. When you know absolutely everybody else on the set was just like, fuck, we're doing this. I do real movies, you sometimes, guys. <laughs> Oh, um, but speaking of speaking of great acting moments, wh- what are your thoughts regarding the, the Fred crying during okay. the Barney's poem? I actually have I wrote notes about this. This is like okay again. John Goodman is one of the greatest actors in film history, and this is one of the worst moments of. <laughs> scene on film because like okay so barney's up there he's giving this moving poem and then they just cut to fred with clear who clearly just has water on his face he's like oh that was beautiful barney let's go bowling like it's one of those days where like they were they you know they went to him and like you've got to cry today today he's like no not for what i'm being paid to do this no I mean, it's obviously fake tears because it's coming from the wrong part of his face. Coming <laughs> from his forehead, and it's <laughs> also it formed like a puddle that didn't soak into the dirt. <laughs> All right. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any more thoughts about this movie? Oh, I have. I have definitely more thoughts about this movie. All right. Uh, for, first of all, just a note. Did you know that this was? Um, this was Elizabeth Taylor's very last movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, this was her really? <laughs> At first, it's like, oh, that's fun trivia. Oh, that's tragic. Also, also, Jonathan Winters is in this movie. 
So is Sam Raimi. Yeah, but Jonathan Winters is one of the most iconic comedians of the last hundred years. Yeah, he's the guy in the movie who's just like, he's the one that leads off his, Yeah, he's the one, his main part is that he pulls off a fake beard. Yeah, he's yeah he he's the one leading the lynch mob in this movie, and like you're watching it, be like, what? Is that Jonathan Winter? What's he doing? Like the whole movie is just you watching and being like, what's this guy doing here? Like his career began in, began in 1960 and went into, all the way basically until he died, and they gave him nothing. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, also. There's a gratuitous just close-up of Fred's feet. Oh, at the board meeting? Um, yeah. Actually, a few times. Also, one time when he's just sitting in the house. I, I do not remember this, but that's gross. Also, um, is it just me, or is Fred Flintstone just Dan Connors? I, I, well, I mean, they definitely cast him for that reason. They cast him because he was like a goofy dad on a sitcom and they needed a goofy sitcom dad to play Fred. But I mean, just the way that the, the way that the, the arguing point goes back, it just kind of reminded me more of Dan Connors than of Fred or, or of John. Um, another note I have is, um, was Bam Bam this awful in the cartoon? I mean, I don't remember him being that abusive, but like I kind of in the cartoon, he always had a club. And I was I always remember thinking, like, why is this kid having why do they keep giving him a club if he's going to be such a dick about it? Also, like the main thing in the cartoon is that he was just super strong. I Oh, yeah, that was and that was like the whole point of that character. Yeah, yeah. And and Pebbles was just there. I guess they didn't really have time to to like explore that in this one because they spent so much time exploring how the corporation of this quarry worked. Oh, did you notice the human sacrifice joke? There was a human sacrifice joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the uh, Elizabeth Taylor is talking about how like oh the things that we sacrificed for you like the lamb, the sheep, your brother. <laughs> again this is a children's movie also it's just like this like really it's just like a very hidden joke um <laughs> how, how okay mark can you please explain one thing to me because they go out of their way to explain so much ancient technology how would does the television work that's a good question i don't know there's probably like a bird inside of it doing a thing. I don't like Flintstone technology has always been stupid, but it's always purposely stupid. So it's never been a thing that I've like, that's bothered me. But I mean, no, but the thing is that it, it usually has some kind of like far fetched, but at least attempted explanation. They didn't even pretend that it made sense. They just, like, all of a sudden there was a, a also, TV just so you could see that the workers who, Fred has been tricked into firing or or rioting. And also, this is on CNN. They have CNN in the cave, cave uh, in the Stone Age. 
Yes, yes, very, very clever. And um, Jay Leto is in this movie. Yes, yes, as a talk show host. The talk show host, and you're just like, oh, I get. Like, there are so many jokes like that in movies in the '90s, where like a talk show host would be playing, and you're just like, oh, I get it, because he's that guy. <laughs> um, yeah. Did they give him some sort of stone name, like Jay, like or dinosaur name? I didn't actually look because uh, I remember like they had like like Albert Einstein. Dude, Albert Einstein is the worst joke of this movie, and it made me so mad to hear it. I know you messaged me right away when you when you watched it. <laughs> Albert Einstein. Like they, it wasn't even an essential part of like. It's not like they had Albert Einstein in the movie. It was just like, oh, he's dumb. Yeah, he's no Albert Einstein, right, guys? Am I right? And that's every joke in this movie. Just has this feeling of like, right? Am I right, you guys? But there's some there's 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 three notes that I have left that are important. Okay. I'm just going to tell you what those notes are, and then I want to, I want to hear which one you have the most thoughts on. All right. One. What are the people lynching them waiting for? Because they they have a moment to talk. They have like a like a like a few minutes to talk with just nooses around their neck. That's a good question. I mean, probably because you can't hang a person in a children's movie. <laughs> Two. Like okay. Um, if they hadn't have jumped, they still would have died because the rock that Fred threw at them would have killed them. Wait, when? When, uh, so, oh yeah, so the movie that has uh, sexual coercion and blackmail and, um, and money laundering um, also has, has kidnapping. All uh, right. And and the children are tied up to this machine that's about to go through like a like a rock grinder. And Fred can't turn off the machine, but he, he uses a catapult to shoot a rock at the machine. Um, Barney, just in the nick of time, jumps jumps off the machine holding both the children. And then you see where the rock hits, the whole thing just explodes. <laughs> so his plan was like, I will save these children by exploding them. Yeah, I don't want them to be crushed to death. I'm going to kill them before that can happen. <laughs> okay. Also, third and last. Okay. Um, why didn't Barney, like, why didn't Fred get Barney his job back at the end? I, like, am, I mean, it was kind of, I imagine it was implied. <laughs> but, like, so Barney, so, so Fred ends up becoming the president of the concrete division. Because yeah, at the end of the movie, he invents concrete. Yeah, and kills Kyle McLaughlin's character with it. Um, <laughs> just casually. And, and then he ends up just getting... So what he gets the workers is time off and ketchup packets. I mean, I imagine that like getting Barney his job back was like implied. I don't know, there was never a sequel... Oh no, there was, but there there was a prequel more than anything. Okay, so yeah, that question's basically answered. So what so lynching and and, and rock throwing. Do you have thoughts? 
Uh, again, it's stupid. It's a kid's movie. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so at the end of yeah. the movie, well, at the end of the movie, Fred and Barney accidentally invent concrete, and the boss is really pleased about it, and then gives them everything that they want, and then that's the end of the movie. And my also, fi- my final question. Oh, sorry. I was going to say also, we didn't mention this entire time the Flintstones are watching the movie that is the movie that we're watching. That is the movie in the movie, but that is that happens. They go to the movie theater after the plot of the movie has started. So it doesn't make... <laughs> it still makes no sense. And my last question I have to have is like, okay, in absolutely every... Like in the credits in the TV show and in the like at the end here as well, we see Fred throw a tiger out of his house and then the tiger jumps back in why does he have a tiger that's not allowed to live in a house and why does it have zero bearing on the plot whatsoever yeah the saber-toothed tiger like of Um, all of the things that they expanded on in this they couldn't explain why there's a fucking tiger living in the house (laughs) also um it actually reminds me of a scene that i really like um when when uh when pebbles is kidnapped they come back to the house and the whole house has been torn apart. And um, Dino, the the horrifying computer generated dinosaur. Um, Again, and, a year after Jurassic Park. And Elizabeth Taylor are both tied and like hogtied and gagged. And, and Fred goes and unties Dino. And then he just continues like stepping over the mother-in-law. Um, just never untying her. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's a big mother-in-law, mother-in-law joke. Like, ha, 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 isn't that funny? He doesn't like his mother-in-law. Very classic early 90s uh, mother-in-law joke. Yeah, one for the books. Uh, all right. So, I, so I, what, so, um, But I'm pretty sure that the, um, the Sabretooth is just so that they can have the joke of Barney, I mean, of Fred getting kicked out of his own house and yelling, Wilma! Yeah, but like they, it made no sense. It would have been funny if it had if it was connected to anything that happened in the events of the movie. Anyway, I think I think that's a good place to wrap it up. What would you give this movie out of ten? <laughs> like a rating? Um, I'd give it. Uh, um, I'd give it uh, three multivitamins. Three multivitamins out of ten. Oh, I'm gonna. Yeah. Give- I'm going to give it three chocolate pebbles out of, or two and a half. I'm going to give this movie a two and a half. <laughs> and that two and a half is just for the casting and the acting alone. And then the rest of it can fuck itself. <laughs> All right, you guys, make sure you uh, make sure you tune in again next week. We're going to be covering Monsters, Inc. Thank you very much for joining us to us this week. Yes. Staying on the on the corporate theme with Mar- Monsters Incorporated. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hey, we haven't we haven't figured out a sign off yet. What, what what do you think, Mark? You're you're the country radio um, professional. Um, how would you sign, how would you sign off back in the day when you were a country radio DJ? For ninety seven nine the range, I'm Mark McKee. No, I'm, I wouldn't <laughs> say we're gonna we will edit that part out for sure. Thanks for- <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.